I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today I have my brother Michael on as we talk about the exciting NFL championship round of the playoffs this past weekend between the Patriots and the Chiefs and then the Saints and the Rams. What an exciting weekend of games it was this weekend with all of the drama, the excitement, some of the controversy in terms of referee calls. It had it all this weekend. Both games went into overtime, so it was just an exciting, exciting weekend in comparison to last weekend's divisional round matchup. Probably the best championship round of games ever in terms of closeness and in terms of drama. So um, me and my brother react to both games this this past weekend, And we are holding off on the Super Bowl preview for next weekend as we record that during NFL Media Week. So we'll record that next week and give our preview and prediction for next week. So thanks for listening, guys. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. And um, just sit back and have a great time listening to this one because it was really great to to record this one. Hello. Hey, Mike. Thanks for coming on the podcast again this weekend. Man, that was just an unbelievable weekend of games. Just an unbelievable Sunday to see that amount that level of football in both of those games was incredible the drama was there especially for the NFL championship round and being able to see um Tom Brady do what he did to that Chiefs defense uh towards the end of the game was amazing so i i couldn't believe all the things that were happening during that game uh during both games honestly and it was just incredible to watch two games that went into overtime and see um, how close each of these teams were. Yeah, I mean, it was a great week of football. Obviously, when you have uh, two championship games and both of them go to overtime, uh, it's definitely exciting because both were extremely close games and, um, yeah, definitely had their fair share of drama in each. Yeah, exactly. So, why don't we get straight into it? So today we're actually going to just be reviewing both of these games. Uh, no predictions today for the Super Bowl. And Michael, both of us ended up one and one this week, I think, because I ended up taking the Saints in the Saints Rams game, and then I took the Pats in the Pats uh, Chiefs game. Yeah, I I might have been zero and two actually. Did you go? No, I think did did you take the Chiefs? Oh, you might have gone zero and two. Yeah, I think I took the Chiefs and I took the Saints here. I just liked, I like the home dogs here. But yeah, um, and, it, and it was pretty surprising that the um, the uh, road road uh, teams were able to win both games this weekend. Yeah, and to be honest, I still feel like after watching that Saints Rams game, I still think the Saints should have won that. Yeah, Obviously, I feel uh, like I should have gone two and zero. We'll get into that, but uh, you know, on the Chiefs Patriots, I. 
I increasingly felt horrible about my pick. Like I was even thinking of calling or texting you that I wanted to switch over to the Patriots because the more I thought about it, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick versus Andy Reid in like a, like a relatively new quarterback. I, I, I just kept feeling worse and worse about that Chiefs pick. Yeah, I know. So that's kind of like how I felt going into the game. So uh, what, which game do you want to go through first and talk about first? Uh, we can start in order. We can start through Rams and Saints. Okay. So that Rams-Saints game, I mean, I think right off the bat can first be characterized by that non-PI call towards the end of the game um, mm-hmm. as the Saints were driving down to take the lead, uh, whether it be a field goal or um, a touchdown. And I just I went ballistic there in terms and I'm not even a fan of either team but it just it was pretty egregious how bad of a missed call that was by the refs. Yeah, and and you know, if they get that call, they are, you know, a few yards from the goal line. Instead, they had to, you know, kick for a field goal. Right. Well, the game is over at that point because with yeah. the situation with where it was at, it was a third down, third down play. About a minute forty left. I I think the Rams had one timeout left or two timeouts left. Yeah. And if if they get that, then it's first down, first and goal at like the three yard line. Maybe the Saints punch it in on the first first down. But let's say it goes to third down. Maybe they take a couple knees make the Rams spend their timeouts. They take it down to about 20 seconds or so and kick the field goal. That's mm-hmm. just a lot harder for, you know, Jared Goff to come back down and, and get a game-tying field goal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad to see, like, a game decided by the referees, but that game really was. And if you remember the play, like, it's not like the referees weren't there or didn't have, like, a clear view. We had two referees who – definitely saw the entire, you know, uh, unfolding of that pass interference, right? So it's 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 not good for the NFL that they missed such a blatant call. And, you know, it's a little sad to see, like, probably the team that should have won not going to the Super Bowl here. Right. And it was su- such a bad call because even, even if, um, let's say, the referee's reasoning for that, for that non-call was that uh, Roby Coleman was in position and didn't have to turn his head around. He got, it was, it was the fact that he launched himself into the receiver. That Mm -hmm. was just the clear definition of a PI call. And then I think after the game, you kind of heard the comments from both Sean Payton and Nickel Roby Coleman, where Sean Payton basically got an, and an admission of from the refs of we fucked up pretty much in mm-hmm. in terms of making that non-call. And then Nickel Roby Coleman was like, yeah, I was basically just trying to save a touchdown. Yeah, which which makes no sense. And honestly, I think a touchdown would have been better than stopping them at the three. Exactly. It, if you're, you're in that situation and you're that Rams defense, you either – want to get get a big stop but you don't want to take a penalty there to extend the drive you either just let them score at that point and then hopefully your offense can score a touchdown 
or you try to get that third down stop without without a penalty ideally so it didn't really make sense with where what he was thinking honestly yeah and i don't know as a fan of football here i i just don't know how to feel about this game and it definitely erodes your trust in the nfl and um you know the referees a little bit to see honestly like the team that should not have won uh getting into the super bowl here yeah and even before that though i think we you can kind of focus in on this play and if the refs got it right, the Saints would have probably been going on to the Super Bowl and all this type of stuff. But the Saints had their chances early in the game. They were up 13-0 and that lead probably could have been more but for their red zone inefficiency. Um, mm-hmm. Those first two drives early in the game, they stalled out. They ended up kicking field goals on both drives. But that first drive, they probably could add a touchdown, dropped, dropped touchdown uh, play by the tight end. Um, yeah. And then also right after the interception by Jared Goff's interception where Todd Gurley ended up basically dropping the ball and then, and then former Jet Demario Davis ended up intercepting it, Breeze wasn't able to get, get it going into the end zone on that possession either. So they had to settle for two field goals there. Let's say if one of those was a touchdown, it would have changed the whole trajectory of the game. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Saints didn't have their chances. I I totally agree. Um, Even getting the ball in overtime to start it off um, in, I don't know, Drew Brees sort of just lofting it up there. I'm not sure what that was, to be honest. But yeah, the Saints definitely had their chances. I just... I just don't feel good when the game is decided through the referees here, though. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I mean, yeah, the Saints ended up having their chance in overtime. They got the ball first, and then Breeze ended up kind of getting pressured by Dante Fowler and and threw up a pick. And the fact that uh, John Johnson, who ended up picking Breeze off, was on the ground, and it basically landed perfectly to him was just mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, maybe this is just destiny calling the Rams to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be exciting to see uh, the Rams in the Super Bowl. I mean, both teams from the NFC have pretty explosive players throughout. And, I mean, it, it's not it's not that I'm not a fan of the Rams in the Super Bowl. It's just that the way they won, I mean, you, you got to give like 60% of the credit to the officiating crew. Right. Right. I know. It's kind of like, oh man, the officiating crew just bailed them out on that uh Nickel Roby Coleman play and who would have who knows if they would have been there if that call was uh made or not. And I think like even early in the game to kind of go back into the first half when the mm-hmm. Saints were up 13-0, you yep. kind of saw it, there was this moment of of whether or not this is actually going to be a game or if the Saints are just going to run away with the game. And then Sean McVay on the 30-yard line, it's like fourth and one, or fourth and a couple yards, I would say, right? Fourth and four or five on their own 30. Johnny Hecker, fake punt, throws it out to Sam Sam Shields. I think that kind of got them settled down a little bit because that was – that was a very pivotal moment early in the game where if they don't convert on that play, 
then the Saints have the ball on the 30-yard um, line, possibly going up three possessions, and that could have been a game sealer, I felt like. Yeah, I think that that, you know, fake punt right there, that was definitely the pivotal moment in the first half. Uh, I, I think without it, the Rams were pretty much – we're going to have a very, very hard time coming back um, because you know, the Saints either get a field goal at least – um, or even a touchdown here and make it, yeah, make it a three-possession game, right? So that was that was definitely the pivotal moment of the first half. And you got to give a lot of credit to Sean McVay for taking that kind of risk and recognizing that, look, his team, his team is not going to win, like, away without taking a few risks here. So I, I definitely think that Sean McVay, actually both coaches, had, had really interesting game plans um, for the game, right? And, you know, both of them in terms of play calling, in terms of, you know, just overall game plan, it looked like both of them had, you know, done their research, right? I think that yeah. one thing, one thing yeah, that sort of, one thing that sort of worried me though was, you know, Jared Goff's play again, right? It really took him a long time to get settled in again, right? I'm not sure if it was a crowd noise, you sort of saw Jared Goff running over to receivers to do audibles, right, just because they couldn't hear him. But it just looked like it took Jared Goff um, some time to get settled in. Right. And some of that, there was definitely a lot of that miscommunication early on in the mm-hmm. game where the, the crowd noise was really affecting him. They had to change the change his headset so he, would, he was able to hear a little bit more clearly. But you could even tell that when they were in the huddle – they and then they had to make checks at the line. He was definitely struggling to get those um, plays out to his receivers and to his linemen. And then it seemed like um, to end that first half when they went on that drive to score a touchdown, when they went no huddle, they ended up being a far more effective in, in terms of moving the ball up and down the field. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And, in terms of, you know, just, you know, just the sort of uh, offense that occurred for the Rams, right? You know, first, you know, first game last week against the, um, you know, against the Cowboys, you know, we saw a lot of C.J. Anderson and we saw a good amount of Todd Gurley, but what do you, what do you make of the sort of lack of L.A. rushing game, right? Right. And I think, I think that was, the one thing as we're moving forward into the Super Bowl in terms of whether or not Todd Gurley gets right in these next two weeks or so health-wise mm-hmm. and whether or not he can kind of revisit his form that he ended up displaying earlier on in the season that made him this unreal special offensive weapon that scored 21 touchdowns because yep. He really ended up struggling today. If you look at the box score, he got four carries for 10 yards and a touchdown, and then he ended up having two really key drops where one Mm -hmm. led to an interception, and then the other one, he dropped it. It was a key third down play to extend a drive for the Rams. So it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not C.J. Anderson plays a huge part in the Super Bowl leading up to the Super Bowl because of Todd Gurley's health and whether or not Todd Gurley can get right and get get to the point where he 
is at the level that we've seen of him this past season. But I think I would really expect Todd Gurley to come out really great in the Super Bowl, but with his struggles that he showed in this game, I was I was somewhat confused that they didn't kind that they didn't pound the run a little bit more early on in the game. But maybe mm-hmm. some of that maybe some of the negative game script in terms of the game flow not going their way and the Saints being up big 13-0, maybe they felt like they couldn't run the ball during in those situations. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely the game script had a huge effect on the sort of play calling that the Rams had initially. Um, we definitely didn't see a lot of Gurley. Uh, we saw a lot of C.J. Anderson. It seemed like much more in the second half. But at the same time, neither were very effective, right? And I think with the two weeks off that Gurley is going to get healthy, I, I do think that he is going to be a big factor. And, you know, I, I'm just surprised that they, you know, I'm just surprised that, like, they didn't play him more. But, it, I mean, it seems like he he seems healthy, though, out there. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not like he, he was, like, not at full speed or anything. Like, I'm just not sure what the exact injury is for Todd Gurley at this point. Yeah, it seemed like we, there were shots of him during the game where he was getting loose on the bike or staying loose on the bike. So it yep. seems like it's some type of lower body injury, maybe a hamstring, something like that. But it it doesn't seem – it seems like when he gets the ball, he looks okay, but he mm-hmm. doesn't – he doesn't look as explosive as he usually does. So Mm. that's probably a story that's going to be monitored throughout the next two weeks uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. And then I I think there's one guy we really have to spotlight. It's Greg the leg. I mean, seriously, like this guy ended up hitting a game tying field goal, 48 yarder. And that's not easy to do, even though it's in a dome with all those screaming fans, it's, still extremely tough to kick that 48 yarder and you talked about Sean McVay's aggressive play play calling I thought his play calling actually got somewhat conservative um, throughout the game as the game progressed when Mm. they were down 20 to 17 it was fourth and goal at the one yard line they decided to kick the uh, kick the field goal to tie it at 20 Mm -hmm. I mean that's something that and, and it all worked out for them at the end, but it that was somewhere that was that that was the point where I expected McVeigh to kind of go for it because his mo has been to go for it and be aggressive on those short yardage uh, situations, especially with Gurley. So I was surprised that he didn't go for it there. He just took the points to to make it a tie at that point, and then even in overtime when after the interception when Breeze through the interception, they stayed pretty conservative on in terms of the play calling and settled for a 57-yard try. And let's and those aren't gimmies by any means. And Caroline yep. probably has the biggest leg in the game. But if he misses that field goal, the Saints probably pretty have much to, over. Right, it's pretty much over in terms of the Saints move the ball probably 10 to 15 yards and then they have a field goal try of their own to win the game. So that must have been incredible pressure on Zerline to make that kick. And, and that, he hit it. <laughs> that 57-yarder looks probably good from 68 yeah. yards or something. It was crazy, That's, like, how much how much length he got on that. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, like in terms of MVP for the Rams, I mean, it's probably Greg Zerline. I mean, the fact that he handled the pressure and was able to hit those two pivotal field goals. Um, and right, like like what you were saying, like both of those field goals were so straight, right? It was like right in the center, right? Um, right in the center. And both of them looked like they could have gone from like 70, to be very yeah. honest. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Greg the leg, bailing Sean McVay out a little bit. And in terms of that fourth and one, right, I mean, the reason there is just like, I, I don't think that they really trusted a lot of their run game at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not sure I would trust Jared Goff on that situation either. So who do I trust more, Greg the leg or my, uh, <laughs> you know, my sort of injured running back and, um, you know, a relatively uh, – fresh quarterback here I you know I, I I guess I would trust Greg the leg here in this instance just to tie up the game right I know it's a little bit conservative it's not really the MO but I think that was a you know relatively good decision to make mm-hmm. and then a couple more points that I did want to make um in this game before we move on to the Patriots Chiefs game was that golf made some really key throws and Initially, he looks pretty nervous, but on that overtime drive, I thought mm-hmm. he made two really key plays to get the ball out quickly to the flat before he ended up getting sacked because they're putting a lot of pressure on him um, to sending basically safety blitzes to kind of keep him contained in the pocket. And mm-hmm. he was able to make really quick throws to Tyler Higby that I, I thought were key. The second down play... Um, it was second and 13 and he got the ball out for six yards that ended up changing the field goal try from 63 yards to 57. And I know great. The leg ended up clearing it by a, by a mile, but 57 is a little bit more doable in comparison to 63, where I think mentally, maybe that's just like, wow, that's like close to the NFL record all that stuff and pressure. I don't even know if they would have gone for it at that yeah, stage either. Probably so that, I, right. I thought that was a really key play there for Jared Goff to get the ball out. And then I thought the Rams defense was able to play pretty well, especially after that first half or first quarter of giving up 13 points. And then after that, they were only, they only gave up 10 um, in the next three quarters. They were able to really stiffen. And it maybe puts into question whether or not the Saints had a great offensive plan after that. Yeah. I mean, when I think about the LA Rams defense, like they, they really went all in. Like they got Sue, they got Fowler Jr. in like the midseason trade. And, um, you know, a keep to leave. Aaron Don. I mean, all Marcus the, you Peters, know, exactly. Yeah, the defense played. I mean, I was relatively impressed with the Rams defense overall, right? Aaron Donald didn't have much of a stat line here, but you could see how disruptive he was. Like he was always in, he was always at least putting pressure that doesn't really come up on the stat line, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he had three QB hits, but he, he was just always penetrating, um, you know, the offensive line, always like, you know, the first one to sort of, you know, block the gap like hit the gap and at least like you know stop the running back right 
So I thought Aaron Donald played a pretty impressive game. Also, Sue played, you know, one and a half sacks as well. Dante Fowler Jr. with that sort of key, at least pressure at the end in overtime. So, you know, they went all in uh, this season. And it seems like a lot of their um, acquisitions really sort of, you know, saved them here a little bit and um, are, are showing why, like, you know, sometimes you have to put in all your chips if, if you feel like you can win. Right. And I guess transitioning to next season for the Saints, I'll be curious to see what how, how Drew Brees ends up performing next year because he's getting up there in age. And I'm, I I think it seems like he'll be coming back from next year to try it, try at it, try it again uh, to make a Super Bowl run. But he's getting up there in age, and I'm curious to see what the Saints do in the offseason. It seems like there may be a weapon short on the outside, outside of Michael Thomas. It seems like they need maybe one more wide receiver to make a Mm. play. And then defensively, maybe shoring up um, their defensive line wasn't able to, I feel like, get some adequate pressure on Mm -hmm. golf in terms of – and I think they're really missing Sheldon Rankins um, with that injury. Yeah, I think they're missing Sheldon Rankins. I mean, <laughs> for me, the defense, I mean, the defense played relatively well for the Saints as well. I mean, I, I totally agree in terms of the weapons that Breeze has, right? Michael Thomas is just a beast. You have Alvin Kamara, who, you know, who played relatively well, um, definitely was effective as a pass catching back here. Uh, marking from as your change of pace, but I do think they might be missing that uh, either either that very athletic sort of like Tyree Kill like speed player, right? Like Ted Ginn Jr. He he just drops the ball way too often. Yeah, he made a one key catch during that uh, during that drive to go ahead um, at the end of regulation, but it seems like I just think they need a more consistent guy on the outside. And plus, Mark Ingram's the free agent this year, so who knows if he'll re-up with the Saints um, in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if Traquan Smith, um, their draft pick for last year, can sort of put it together because in terms of profile, like that's the type of player I think they need, but it, it just seems like he hasn't been able to put everything together yet. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, Mike, let's transition to um, the Patriots-Chiefs game. And, I mean, this is another classic, classic AFC championship game. Um, It was just an incredible day of football. And for this to be the second half of the doubleheader was amazing. And I was just sitting on the couch, really enjoying it, by uh, watching it by myself and being able to enjoy the game. And the first half was pretty much how the Patriots wanted it to go because of how they, they, they looked so dominant. In, in, on that first possession of the game, they just yep. kind of drove down the field eight minutes, and I was it was a curious decision by the, Casey to kind of defer the uh, defer for the second half because it mm-hmm. kind it kind of let New England get into this set rhythm right yep. and set the pace of the game, and that maybe if they change it up again, maybe they give the ball in Mahomes' hands to set their pace and set the rhythm and play and have New England New England play catch up. 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of deferring, I'm usually not a huge... I mean, I I didn't have any problem with them deferring, to be honest. I mean, I feel like you sort of want to let your opponent get their nerves out first, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's Tom Brady. He didn't really... He, he doesn't get faced in these situations. But, you know, I could see Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he's a little too amped at the beginning of the game. I'm not sure, but... You know, maybe letting your quarterback sort of and your team settle in first. Right. Um, and I think I think I would have right. And I think I would have agreed to deferring if it was maybe a little lesser known or less experienced quarterback because mm-hmm. it's a wet it's an away game, it's a road it's a road game with all the noise going. You might think a younger quarterback that's less experienced might be a little bit more rattled. But Brady mm-hmm. just looks so calm, cool, collected on that first drive. And and they really utilized that run game very well. And Brady was making alerts and checks at the line, getting them into the right play. James yep. White was contributing on uh, some key third down runs as well from the sh- their shotgun formation. And they just kind of marched down the field, scored scored their seven points with Sony Michelle. And it it looked extremely impressive and I thought it set the tone of the game and Mahomes, I thought really struggled in that first half. He was, he looked like a very young quarterback that was not experienced in these high level playoff um, games where he would take some ill-timed sacks. Um, They did a really good job. The Patriots defense, I thought did a really good job of containing him and then getting pressure up the middle to flush yep. him and move him off his spot, even when they weren't getting to him directly, they were making him move so that it made the play a little bit tougher for him. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got to give a lot of credit to the Pats and their defensive game plan here. I mean, <clears throat> in terms of just making the home feel uncomfortable at the beginning of the game, actually throughout the game, right? They were the, the Pats don't really have those playmakers on uh, the defensive line, right? Or, right. So I was sort of surprised how much pressure they were able to get. But I think part of that, too, was Mahomes, right? I, he didn't feel comfortable at the beginning of the game, clearly. He held on to the ball a little too long, right? He, you know, whereas Tom Brady at the beginning of the game was just, like, getting the ball out there. And, you know, he had zero sacks for the game, Tom Brady. And that's a testament to how quickly – you know, Tom Brady could read the field, see his first, check his first option, check his second option, and just, like, make those quick decisions, right? He, the ball is just always out of Brady's hand. And the Chiefs led the league in uh, sacks in the regular season, able to get absolutely zero pressure on Tom Brady. That's how it felt throughout the game. Whereas Mahomes, like, every single play, you saw him sort of scrambling and having to make these sort of, like, sidearm throws with pressure. So it it was very impressive in terms of game planning, um, you know, for Tom Brady to honestly get the ball out in such quick and short times. But at the same time, like their defense, the Patriots, able to get so much pressure consistently on Patrick Mahomes. Right. And I think, I think that the first drive of the game really set the tone for the Patriots because from that position, they, mm-hmm. and, and even the game within the game where uh, 
probably like on first and second down, they were really focusing on getting those positive yards. So they weren't in these third and long situations where the KC pass rush knew it would be a throwing down and could kind of just tee off on Grady where they would keep them off balance and really try to get positive yards on those first two downs. So keep it at third and four or third and three and keep it pretty manageable for them so Mm -hmm. that there was um, some confusion as to whether or not it would be a pass play or whether it would be a run play. So I thought it was a really great job of what Josh McDaniel ended up doing with that offense and the play calling there. Um, and being able to keep that Patriots offense in third and manageable. And, I mean, there were some there were some mistakes that Brady ended up making. Like, he ended up throwing a red zone interception um, mm-hmm. in the first half where they were at the one. They could have gone 14-0, up 14-0. And it was a third, third down play. And I was surprised they didn't run the ball in with Michelle. It seemed – like he got seems like he got at least positive yards every time he touched the ball exactly so I was surprised that he didn't get the call there and then they kind of went for this cutesy play action fake to Gronk and I think Brady just thought the linebacker would be sucked in and Ragland ended up making a really good play on them to keep the Chiefs in the game and then and then there I thought the key drive in that first half especially was when Mahomes ended up driving the Chiefs down the field and he ended up making that huge throw the throw to Tyree Kill and then on second down uh two plays after that play he ended up missing a wide open Damian Williams out of the backfield and he he just missed him and and then on the play after that on that third down he takes a an ill-timed sack knocks them out of field goal range and then they have to punt the ball and then Brady kind of marches the pat uh, the Pats down the field um, in the two minute offense and was able to score a touchdown to Philip Dorsett. So that just it just seemed like a huge swing swing of possession, um, in in that or swing of momentum during that end of the first half. Yeah, and I really like what you said about the Patriots game plan for the third downs, right? Like, all of the third down teams, it was, like, third and two, third and four, right? And whereas most teams are, like, third and eight and, like, third and ten, and you sort of – you know the pass play is coming, right? There were so many instances where it was, like, third and four, and, and you know, I think the Chiefs expected, like, a pass play, like a short route to, um, you know, like Edelman or something, and they would jam up the line. But, you know, it would just be, like, a, a normal run play, <laughs> <laughs> where they pass it, you know, give it to Sony Michelle, and he gets like six yards, right? And it keeps the chains moving. Right? There's so many instances where I expected like a pass play, and you know the Patriots just came out with like a, a six yard run play, right, on third down. Right. right. So it it really shows how much they trust uh, Sony Michelle here, and you know he was for me like a huge difference maker. I mean we called this early in the season, but you know I think they understand like Tom Brady he played a great game and he's, it seems like he's been saving a lot of his energy for the playoffs, but he's not exactly the same quarterback. Right. It, right. In, in, in my opinion. Right. But, you know, having Sony Michelle, like I think that even though it was sort of a reach to get a running back in the first um, round of the draft, 
Like it was something that in terms of positional need was necessary for the Patriots. Right. right. Totally in order agree. to be competitive for this season. So honestly, like Bill Belichick sort of, he's just showing why, why he's the best, um, you know, coach in the NFL, maybe all of, you know, maybe all of, you know, us sports here, but yeah. uh, he, he, he just has that foresight to understand like, look, like they honestly didn't have Sonny show. I don't think that they'd be in the situation here. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And they're, I mean, looking at the stats right now on third down, they're 13 of 19. And that, yeah, that crazy. really, yeah, that really won them the game because it extended a ton of drives for them and being able to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands and then being able to keep their drives moving. So it kept the clock moving as well. So they, they look completely dominant in that first half. And then in the second half, once the Chiefs ended up coming out, that first drive was extremely key for them. And they ended up driving down the field, scoring a touchdown. And I think that really settled the chiefs down and then kind of made this game far more interesting as, um, as it finished up in the second half and in overtime. Yeah, I agree. I mean, once they got that first, you know, drive in and there, you know, those first points, like you could see the chiefs immediately settle down a bit. Right. In terms of offense and defense, right? I, I thought that, you know, it's you sort of started to see the Patriots sort of stall at that point in that third quarter. Right. They weren't really able to get much going. Um, you know, a few drop passes there as well, but it seems like defense and offense sort of settled in after that, um, those first points were scored. Right. And then, you know, the Chiefs ended up making it a three point game. I think it was seventeen fourteen at the at the start of fourth quarter and they made it a three point game there. And it became it became really tight right at at the end at that start of the fourth quarter and it was that fourth down play where where Brady gave it to Burkhead. Burkhead gets stopped. Uh, yeah, that was and stuffed huge. at the line. Yeah, that was a huge play for the Chiefs, and I, I don't know if I necessarily agreed with that play call there. Um, you think just getting the field goal right there should have been? Well, not even the field goal, but like if they're gonna run the ball, I would have given it to Michelle at that point. Bring in Michelle and kind of give him the ball to run it down, run it on fourth down. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I thought. I... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, both of them are 215 pounds, right? Michelle is just like the more dynamic playmaker, but I think in terms of, you know, that, I mean, they basically just wanted to punch it in for like a yard or two. I think Burkhead can do that as well, like just as good as Michelle. So, I, yeah, I'm not really sure why they chose Burkhead over Michelle to do that play, but. Also, I was sort of surprised we just didn't see like a, a Tom Brady like quarterback sneak, sneaker right here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a little bit. I think it was a little confusing there too whether or not he goes for the sneak. But I think part of it was usually on those sneaks he ends up really rushing to the line, and I think before that play they ended up coming out to measure. So, oh yeah. Think, so yeah, think, they had a lot. Yep. I think the Chiefs were pretty prepared in terms of packing it in the middle of the field, 
so that Brady doesn't sneak. So that that's why he kind of gave it, uh, ran the play and ended up um, going to Burkhead because I think he ends up usually audibling to, okay, I'm going to sneak the ball basically um, mm. and just take it himself. But I don't think, I think he didn't see the crease there that was open. So that's why he ended up hand it, handing it off to Burkhead. And then the, I thought that was like, that was like a huge key play. And at the time I was like, Oh man, this is the, this is the play that's going to really change it for the, or change the game. And then like after that, the chiefs go three and out. And then there's this punt review call as to whether or not Edelman ended up touching the ball or not. And they were taking it from like every, every which angle, do you think that Edelman touched the ball um, looking at all the replays? No, I don't think he touched it. I mean, I was pretty convinced that he did. There are a few, there's some weird angles there where like, if you look at each angle individually, you be, it, it looked like he touched it in each one. But when you put it all together, it, right? you know, there's no way he could have touched it because in one of them, like, it looks like his left finger touches it, right? And then in the other angle, you see like, oh, that left finger was like so far away from that. From yeah, there's right? space. There's space there. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so when you put it all together and saw all the angles, it didn't look like he touched the ball. Right. Okay. I don't know if yeah. there was like a hundred percent. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but you know, I'd say like eighty percent positive. Right. And I think I think in terms of what the rule is, because the ruling on the field was that Edelman ended up touching the ball. And it has to be clear and convincing evidence to overturn that call. And is 80% clear and convincing? Because the argument there is it has to be 100% clear and convincing for them to change the call. But in my view, it it didn't seem like Edelman touched it at all. And yeah. even his reaction after the play seems like, like, I think if he knew he touched the ball, he would have gone gone for the ball and ended up trying to jump on top of the ball, but he kind of just let it go. So yeah. it Jinger reaction nat- helped a little bit too. Right. His natural reaction of just not not going for the ball, not going after it, really helped really helped him. Because then if he did actually touch it, touch the ball and then kind of played it off like he did, that would have been like an Oscar type of um, award-winning type of acting job that he ended up pulling off there. Yeah, I, yeah, agreed. I mean, I was, I mean, both of us were, you know, pretty anti-Patriots here, and I was so ecstatic that that had happened, but then uh, pretty disappointed to see that, you know, of course, the Patriots, some some Patriot luck that, you know, of course he didn't touch the ball, like which, which makes no sense, like, he was in position. He was trying to touch the ball, and somehow the football avoids every part of it. Like it could have hit any of his ten fingers, could have hit his like elbow, could have hit his like forearm, like but nothing, right? So yeah, but yeah. apparently the ball doesn't lie because I'm right on the next possession, um, yeah. two plays after that, hits Edelman right in the fingers. Daniel Sorensen ends up picking up the intercept, uh, getting the interception off the tip. And they, they get three yards closer to the end zone after that play. So, I mean, it kind of didn't really matter just because they got the interception there. 
And um, the Chiefs ended up scoring a touchdown on a really, really nice call by Andy Reid in terms of um, using what the Patriots had been doing all game long in terms of bringing pressure up the middle, moving the pocket to the right, and then throwing throwing back against the grain uh, to Damian Williams to score that touchdown. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was on this drive or another drive, but there was one play where Mahomes was getting pressured and he throws this little sidearm play, like a sidearm around, I believe, maybe it was Lawrence Guy, or yeah, yeah. He, he, he I think it was Kyle Van Noy, but it, that was Van like, Noy. yeah, that was later in the. I think that was later in the game. Okay, okay, but yeah, I mean Mahomes. I mean Mahomes when he's on, it, it's just he's incredible to watch, right? Yeah, in that fourth he, quarter, he was incredible. Yeah, he looked incredible. Looked like one of the game's best um and he turned it up really in that second half especially with a dud of a first half he ended up having he ended up with three touchdowns no interceptions and he he looked like a a really good quarterback for years to come in that second half yeah agreed i mean the thing is i for me it, it's a little surprising that they weren't able for the chiefs right like you look at Tyreek Hill, he only had one, you know, one Big catch play. for 42. Yeah, he had that 42-yard catch. Travis Kelsey only 23 yards, three receptions. Um, even to like, yeah, like it, it. It's surprising that Sammy Watkins <laughs> led this receiving course, right? It, it, for some reason, right? I thought that the Chiefs would try and use their athleticism against the Patriots, who. Now, who have relatively good corners this year, but they're just not as fast or explosive as the Chiefs. And, you know, this is the same thing I saw for the Chargers as well last week. But somehow the Patriots are able to contain them, uh, all these explosive playmakers here. Right? Yeah, and it's like when you're watching the game, Roma was kind of doing this thing where he would talk about how the the way the Patriots set up their defense was they would double they would double the uh, double Tyreek Hill and really mm-hmm. play press coverage and put, be really aggressive with these athletic guys at the line of scrimmage, kind of throw them off their routes, and yep. then kind of have help over the top on Tyreek Hill so that they don't burn they don't get burned with speed over the top. And I think the one matchup that I was really surprised that the Chiefs didn't didn't ex- exploit a little bit more was Kelsey. that that Kelsey matchup because he had a lot of one on one coverage, and yep, that was that was the matchup that I felt was key for them to win. And Mahomes just wasn't able to find him. I and I think when looking back at that game, they're kind of gonna be kicking themselves because they didn't exploit that matchup a little bit more. Yeah. It I I I totally agree. I mean, Travis Kelsey only had five targets for, you know, three receptions, 23 yards. He had a touchdown, but at the same time like the amount of single coverage that he had due to Tyreek Kill taking away, you know, taking a lot of the pressure, it was very surprising that they didn't really go to Kelsey a lot more because it did seem like he was you know, he was getting open too, right? But, I mean, I think it's a credit to that defensive line for the Patriots. Like, for some reason, we would always joke that the Patriots' like, defense was 
pretty horrible. And now that Matt Patricia's gone, <laughs> I mean, this defense actually looks relatively formidable. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it looked. Yeah, Matt, a pressure. I thought it looked pretty decent, and it, especially the pressure that they got on him uh, with not that key explosive blue chip type of pass rusher. They were able to manufa- manufacture that pass rush because of their scheme and not because they had that one dominant player like an Aaron Donald that can kind of just be like, go get, go get Mahomes. They didn't, they don't have that type of guy and they were mm-hmm. able to manufacture a pass rush that was extremely impressive for me to, to see them be able to do. And I'm curious as to whether or not they can replicate that against the Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think the, I mean, it's not like the Chiefs' offensive line is, like, bad either. Like, they have one of the best offensive lines in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what What I saw was that the Patriots were just blitzing. It seemed like the Patriots were blitzing every play, frankly. Right? Uh-huh. They're always, they're always seem to be pressure coming to uh, Mahomes. So, you know, I was just – I was really impressed with the Patriots' defense. Um, and, and at the end of this game, Kev – I mean, we were texting on this, but once once we saw that Tom Brady had, you know, two minutes, all three timeouts, I knew it was over. Like, I knew yeah, he was going to get that. Yeah, and it, there was, it like, was so obvious. Yeah, there was just, like, and even key plays before that, when it was 20, I think it was 21-17 Chiefs, there was, like, key controversial um, referee decisions, even in this game, where – that phantom roughing the passer call on on Brady, it just seemed like, oh, man, he hit him on the shoulder pad there. That extended the drive. There was, like, all these reviews as to whether or not that was that was the catch, the Chris Hogan play, where he ended up mm-hmm. making a huge third down play. Was that a catch? Wasn't that a catch? I mean, there are a lot of questions there. And then for Brady to go and audible on that fourth and one play and – Michelle was in on that game and they kind of did this outside zone outside zone play and the Chiefs weren't able to see that they ended up converting going in for and basically Michelle walked in untouched for a touchdown on that play that was extremely impressive to see uh, Brady and Brady go down the field to take the lead there and then the Chiefs were just able to kind of storm back and Mahomes looked really impressive on the the drive coming back, and when you and that kind of brought us to having two minutes left with the three timeouts, and it, it was just way too much time for Brady to operate, and he looked extremely comfortable in that situation. My my only thing about the the play, like that that sequence of plays there, was the that key roughing the passer play that really extended I would say the drive for the Patriots was that was just a really bad call by the refs they really missed a missed the call there and I mean like as a Jets fan you're kind of I'm kind of mad because I'm I'm just like man the Pats always get these calls but they're able to convert on them and they're able to take advantage of those situations, which is really impressive. And yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just like really impressive that the the Patriots are able to convert on those situations and those plays. It's just it's it's just impressive. Like Brady's able to audible and make these checks out of out of these harmful situations and then really give his team the best opportunities to succeed. And like you, I don't know if you've been seeing social media today and the memes on Twitter and Facebook and um, Instagram, but there's all this stuff about how Tony Romo should be an offensive coordinator or even a defensive <laughs> coordinator in the league because he was basically calling out every one of the Patriots' plays um, before they were even happening in terms of whenever a motion would be 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 in play, Romo was like, oh, look for Edelman down the field, in the middle of the field. And it was just so, it was so crazy. It was so it was impressive how he called yeah. every single play. And I was like, oh, why can't the Chiefs defensive coordinator even see this? And then I realized it was Bob Sutton, who was a former uh, Jets defensive coordinator uh, that was working uh, the Chiefs defense. And I was like, oh, of course that didn't <laughs> – he didn't see that. So it was just really impressive that even Romo was able to see those things because of the alignment and because of the motion that was being set in place. And he could tell what play call was being made. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the officiating for this game, I thought it was, I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, horrified after that Saints versus Rams game, but I thought the officiating was relatively fine. Even though you had that, like, you know, passing your fans, roughing the passer for the Patriots, right? You also had, I thought, some pretty questionable um, passing interference calls that went for the Chiefs, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it went both ways a little bit, um, and both teams got, like, their fair share of, like, favorable variants, if that makes sense, like favorable referee calls, right? So I think those sort of offset each other. It was just extremely impressive, like, we we knew this was coming, but Tom Brady just coming down, marching down the field, two minutes left, three timeouts. Like, even when it was, like, third and ten, right? Like, yeah. There were, like, these – there were two third and ten situations, I believe, for Tom Brady, like, third and long, and I just expected him to get it, right? And he did, right? He he made, the, like, two passes to, like, Edelman. There's one to Hogan, right? Mm-hmm. It just – even on those third and longs, which, you know, I always feel horrible when my Jets are trying to do it. Like, I felt at complete ease when Tom Brady was going for it, right? And, you know, I was talking with a few friends who are Patriots fans, and you know, they were so nervous. But I was like, why Why are you nervous? Like, Tom Brady has done this, like, every time, right? Right. So it, it was pretty obvious. We were texting on it that he was going to lead them to a touchdown, right? I mean, the – the mistake for me was, you know, the Chiefs leaving that amount of time for the Patriots. Right? I really thought that they were up by four. They should have burned much more of the clock. Instead, they, you know, got that touchdown. Uh, I believe it was like first and goal, right? I'm not yeah. sure if the Patriots let them get that touchdown, but I, I would definitely try and have them burn a few timeouts, right? Yeah, it, it seemed like the Patriots kind of, Maybe let, let them, them in, score, right? Let them in and kind of let uh, Brady get the ball back so that he can drive them down the field in the last two minutes. But I think there's a couple things that you you didn't mention, 
on that last drive that were key crucial plays. There was that third and 10 play where uh, Brady had the ball. He throw, he checks it down to Gronk and goes off of Gronk's hands, ends up being intercepted, and that's the game. Like, we yeah, that was the game. That was the game. And then for D4 to line up offside by half a yard or a yard. Incredible. It, it was just an incredible lack of focus at that point where that's like basically peewee football stuff in terms of not being able to line up correctly and line up on your side of the ball. It, it just blew my mind. And I was like going crazy that Brady or Gronk just ended up basically pulling a Alshon Jeffrey from last week and letting the ball slip through his hands. And and then for D four to bail them out the way they did and being and lining up off sides was just incredible. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, D four. You can't that, make that you can't make game. that. Yeah, you can't make that stuff up because if that's a pick, that's the game because that's fifty four seconds left. It's the game, um, and it's it's just incredible. I, I I just could not believe that was the play that really kept the momentum going for the Patriots on that play. And then yeah, we, we on, both thought that game was over after that. Right, game. right. And then third and five on the outside with Gronk one, on one-on-one coverage, he was able to make a play down the field and really set up the set up the go-ahead touchdown for them before Mahomes was able to make a game-tying drive in 39 seconds for, for a game-tying field goal to send it into overtime. But I thought – you know, just to highlight Gronkowski for a little bit, I just thought the Patriots did a good job of getting him involved early on in the game. And then he kind of went missing throughout uh, in the middle of that game where mm-hmm. he was staying in a lot more to help block. And he was being utilized a lot more as a blocker in the run game and things like that. And he wasn't being split out wide or split out in the slot at, at, at all. But in the fourth quarter, they kind of unleashed him a little bit. Fourth quarter in overtime, he made key yep. plays down the field there, and then he made a key third down conversion during that overtime drive. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, I, I, I yeah. can't believe. And let's, the game I mean, should let's, have been over there. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that overtime drive because, like, once once Brady got the ball, I was – I knew it was over. Yeah, I I was pretty sure the game was over just because of the way – the Chiefs had been playing defensively and just the flurry of points at the end of the fourth quarter. But New England got the ball. Chiefs defense was gassed. And and my whole thing about that was once Brady started driving the team down the field, making key third down conversions, the clock doesn't time out. Right. The clock doesn't matter at that point. There's no need for you guys to save timeouts at all. It just, it just kind of blew my mind that Andy Reid wasn't going to take a timeout to give his defense a breather and just have his defense rest, refocus a little bit and say, this is what we need to do in the red zone so we could stop them, be aware of these things. It it just seemed, it was almost anticlimactic in a way that the Chiefs just let them down the field to score a touchdown. Yeah, and this is going back to Tony Romo. <laughs> Does he have a I, – I mean, he clearly is a pretty brilliant football mind. Like, the fact 
he told all those plays. And, you know, you, you, you heard him at the end. He's like, I, I can't believe that we're not calling a timeout here to give our guys some rest. Right. Right. The Chiefs defense clearly looks gassed. Like, they could definitely use a timeout here, but it made no sense that Andy Reid sort of just allowed everything to happen there. I mean, the Patriots are at their most effective when they're in that hurry-up offense. And for you to just allow that to happen, that's like coaching malpractice, to be honest. Yeah. And, right. I mean, yeah, and Brady con- converted three third and longs, third and one third and nine and two third and tens. Uh, yeah, call a timeout there. Yeah. Two to Edelman and then one to one to Gronkowski that really helped them extend that drive and drive them down the field. It it was just clinical Brady in terms of what he he has done throughout his career in terms of driving his team down so the field, making key third down throws. It was really impressive to watch um, mm-hmm. the way he was able to carve up that Chiefs defense. Yeah. And you just take a moment to appreciate greatness because, you know, Tom Brady, as much as we hate to say it, like greatest of all time, still doing it, to be able to watch it, right, in an AFC championship game like this, it's it's just a joy to watch. But, yeah, uh, it, it really is because they made three straight Super Bowls now. Uh, the amount of AFC championship appearances is mind-boggling in a row, too. It's like eight or nine, nine. in a row. Yeah, nine in a row now. It's, Tom Brady's played in 13 AFC, AFC championships in 17 yeah. years. I was actually having a conversation with mom today in terms of what, like, this morning in terms of what I was dreaming about. And I basically dreamed about whether or not, whether Tom Brady was a real person and, what, like, revisionist history in terms of if Mo Lewis never hit Drew Bledsoe out of bounds, then does this Tom Brady thing ever happen? Um, all the stuff about Belichick leaving the Jets after one day going to the Patriots. It's its just like all this stuff as a Jets fan. It's just so hard to stomach and be able <laughs> to see the success of our biggest rivals. And especially because our dad is probably one of the biggest Pats fans. So it that hurts even that hurts a little more. So it's just, incredibly hard to watch this amount of success but all you can do is kind of respect the goat yeah i I definitely respect it definitely respect tom brady at this point but uh it's 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 so hard to see and and i agree let's to close out the uh the game like overtime is super anticlimactic there i it's just it's incredible to me the the rules that are currently in place in the nfl it's it, it makes no sense Right, that the basically the team that wins a coin uh, a coin toss is um, is probably going to win the game. Right. Yeah, and I, I don't know what the solution is to it. Maybe it's the college rules where you kind of get set it up at the twenty five yard line, and then each each team gets a chance to match um, the other team's scores like in the college game, or maybe even push the ball back to like the 50 and make it a little bit more interesting in that way so that they don't have, they don't get the ball right at 25 because the NFL kickers are too good in terms of being able to make kicks. So maybe change it up in that way and give both teams the opportunity uh, with the ball and a fair, fair chance. 
Yeah, I, I think that would be so much better. I, I, the current overtime rules don't make any sense to me. The fact that, you know, you had an overtime game where, where you know, Tom Brady, obviously incredible that he leads them to this touchdown, but pretty anticlimactic that at, the Chiefs have no chance to at least respond, right? And how much more fun would it be for like how much more fun would it be for the NFL to kind of have this drama? Like that game could have continued if the college rules were in place and have, yep. and see whether or not Pat Mahomes can come down the field and make a game tying play. Like that yep. would just be so much more fun to watch. The drama would be heightened even more. And who wouldn't want more football in those situations? Yeah. Agreed. And maybe it's like a regular season where it's, the existing rules and then the playoffs it sort of switches off to this you know college sort of system but it's just a little anticlimactic how the game ends in overtime um right i i could totally see something like this happening in the super bowl <laughs> where right. uh, one team just gets in overtime wins its coin toss and wins the super bowl because of that right it, it's just not a good current system but you know we have roger Dell. thankfully he's a great commissioner and i'm sure he's looking into it is that sarcasm that I sense in terms of him being a great commissioner with all the stuff uh, that he's done? <laughs> no, he, no, he's a great, great, great commissioner. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see some quick change on that and um, a lot of other key issues at the NFL. <laughs> right, exactly. We're, very, we're emphasizing the great commissioner part to a T. So, Mike, um, we're not going to preview the Super Bowl in this podcast. We'll probably do it next week because we have the uh, Pro Bowl next week and, and, and the Super Bowl teams have a, a bye week and then the Super Bowls happens in two weeks. Um, but are there, any, are there any things that you would maybe give the listeners to kind of have them chew on as we go into the bye week for the Super Bowl teams? Hmm. Any yeah, key I mean, storylines or anything like that to maybe watch out for? I mean, I think an interesting storyline is just going to be the coaching here. You have the guy versus Belichick, right? You have the old guard versus new guard in terms of coaching, right? I think same with the golf, quarterbacks too. I'm not as compelled by the golf versus Brady storyline as like I'm a Mahomes versus Brady. Right, where you had like the MVP, the presumed MVP of this year versus last year's MVP. I just don't think okay. golf is at that level, right? Right. Just yet. Um, I mean, I I think another storyline is just going to be the run game, right? Gurley, you know, he was an MVP candidate uh, during the regular season, but he just hasn't looked right. I think that this is a completely different type of offense with a healthy Gurley and without. So, I mean, if if the Rams want to win, I do think that they're going to need Gurley, to be honest. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm not sure if I trust Goff at this point. And although he made some impressive throws in the last game, um, he still looks quite rattled. And it's, you know, you're, you're going with Tom Brady like 100 times out of 100, right, mm-hmm. um, if it comes down to it. But, yeah, I think in terms of the defense, the Rams defense, they put a lot of money into this defense. They made a lot of acquisitions here. Um, we'll we'll see if anyone's finally able to put some pressure on Tom Brady, right? 
I mean, the Eagles last year in the Super Bowl, getting that pressure to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, that was that was that was probably like the pivotal, um, you know, thing at the end, right? Where you right. had someone, where you had someone uh, sack or strip sack Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see if uh, Donald Sue or um, Fowler can actually do the same thing, follow like the Eagles playbook here and really get to Tom Brady, right? Right. And I, I, I mean, that's the one key point that I really wanted to highlight is because Brady hasn't been pressured that much at all during the playoffs, and whether or not. The group, the group that you outlined, the Sue, Aaron Donald, um, Dante Fowler, and Michael Brockers, whether those four pass rushers are able to get the Patriots offense in known passing situations and third and long situations and really get tee off on the Patriots offensive line. And I'm really curious as to seeing whether or not they're able to do that. So thanks, Mike, for coming on again. Uh, for the podcast and mm-hmm. it's really been a great great NFL season and I can't wait to preview the Super Bowl with you next week I got a girl with a mind on love the kind of love that is dangerous it knocks me down but I get back up And I'm addicted, I can't get enough